Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. We've all seen the hashtags all over social media. Save the children. Hashtag save our children, whatever term people have chosen to use. And it's bringing this human trafficking and child sexual abuse to the forefront. But already in the last few days, it has slowed down. This is one area that has been so overlooked so swept under the carpet, it's mind-boggling. And in that capacity, we have so minimized victims and enabled perpetrators. It's amazing. I bet if we could all see each other right now and we could raise our hands in a crowded room to how many people that are now adults were sexually abused, sexually molested, basically touched in an inappropriate way as a child to raise their hand, the number of hands that would go up would be astounding. I guarantee you every single person listening right now knows somebody, if not personally, they know somebody that has been sexually abused, sexually molested in some capacity. That's an outstanding number when you think about people, basically, the number of people there are and how that has impacted adults walking around now that experience that as children. I want to bring something, some issues to the forefront, I want to talk to you about being transparent. If you're somebody that's walked through this or standing next to somebody and being that voice, fighting for them, you know, there's so many websites out there that you can just go out and Google to uh, things to watch for. Don't be that voice anymore that won't speak up. And I want to say this about Um, sexual abuse in regard to children. In a lot of ways, now let me finish my whole statement first, it can be compared to racism. And what I mean by that is it has been overlooked for years. It has been excused for years. And also, like racism, it's gotten better Even like we have hate crimes now, you can bring a charge of a hate crime. Um, I would say that when there's a charge of child sexual abuse or molestation, the crimes are tougher. I mean, the penalties are tougher now than they ever were before. The victims are believed more now. And so in that capacity, like racism, it's come a long way but it's not enough. 
And for some reason, also like racism, as a general population, which I know it's very hard to generalize, but overall, certain things have been accepted or overlooked or ignored because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to believe the true potential out there. And until more people stand up, until tougher laws come into place, until more victims are believed, the true potential will remain. We don't want to believe our favorite movie star might have a pedophilia issue. And I don't even know if I said that word right. We don't want to believe that because we still want to watch the movies they make. Like, come on, get real. Really? That's crazy. We don't want to believe our favorite politician might have an issue in this area, might have a history. I mean, that guy that all of the people in Hollywood knew all about, all the political figures knew all about, Weinstein, I think was his name, nobody said anything because they were afraid their career would not get furthered. That's crazy. That stuff has to stop. And we have to have protections in place so when victims do come forward, they're not the ones scrutinized. The burden of proof is not overwhelmingly on them. I don't know what the answers to all of that is. That's legislation that has to take place. That's people continuing to um, make protests on social media. Uh, and not letting this die down. But save the children, save our children, that should have been around years ago. Years ago. And I want to kind of go with a different angle on this in regards to saving the children. It's all about... We have all these adults walking around that were molested and sexually abused as children. And in one sense, you can say some of them at one degree or level and some of them at another degree or level, but I don't even think you can compare the degrees. I mean, even the slightest inappropriateness is inappropriateness to a child. And so you have this situation where these children are now adults and they need healing from the sexual abuse, right? And how does that take place? And what happens there? How does somebody that's now an adult heal from childhood sexual Assault in some capacity. And we don't like to put the word assault on it because that sounds a little more intense, but that's what it is. I mean, the numbers can get astounding if you do research on the numbers. And so I want to start off by sharing a bit of personal testimony. And this was 50 years ago. So we're talking a whole different world as far as for sure, the criminal justice system. As a young child, five years old, I was actually abducted, was actually considered a missing child, 
And in that time frame, actually me and another little girl, we were out together in our neighborhood where it was assumed we were safe, riding big wheels. 50 years ago, it's not like two little girls out riding big wheels now, but I still see that sometimes. Anyhow, we were abducted. Like there was search parties out. The police were called in. People were hunting for us, looking for us. And both of us were sexually assaulted. And obviously we survived. (laughs) Um, Our assailant, was trying to think of the word to use there, assailant uh, was captured, was charged, but I'll say this, for 50 years ago, after, uh, after being charged, after there being a court hearing, after both me and my girlfriend testifying, and this boy man, I will call him, was convicted, but literally grounded to his yard and his parents' supervision for however long. I can't recall how long. Because he was still a minor at 17 years old. And so, few things that I want to talk about on the other, on the adult side of this is that, so now you have, I guess I'll use my own personal experience because I don't want to say how other people feel. So me as an adult, or even growing up, things that I, I didn't realize I was doing as I was growing up. So like my family, we never talked about it. Like I remember coming home. I remember being found, coming out of the woods and being found. I remember that. There was it happened to be a search party right there when we stepped out of the woods. I remember going back to my house and I remember my mother being there. I remember a bunch of police being at the dining room table. Now a bunch, there might've been three, but for a five-year-old, it probably seemed like a bunch. That's just how I remember it in my mind. Then I remember that all dying out. And that's all I really remember. And then I remember being on the witness stand in the courtroom and then that's it. My memory's gone. I do remember growing up being angry at my mother, interestingly, because I felt like we never talked about it. And remember, 50 years ago, there was, you didn't do counseling. You did, there wasn't that, it's like, oh, let's bring these two kids to a council. Let's have the whole family have counseling. It just wasn't something that was done back then. And so I was just sharing this with somebody the other day, which kind of brought this all to the forefront of my mind and, and uh, provoked me to do this podcast. I didn't realize that I had unforgiveness toward my mother. I didn't realize that I felt like she was just acting like nothing happened. And as a child and a teenager and a young adult, I couldn't come from her perspective. I didn't see what she was dealing with as a mother in this. And so then about five years ago, actually, somebody uh, invited me on their radio show to talk about this in the capacity of forgiveness. 
And that's something I really want to address in this podcast, and we'll get to that. I just want you to understand where I'm coming from before I get into all that. So, excuse me. While I was going to do this radio show, my mother happened to be in town visiting. And the host of the radio show said to me, do you think your mother would be willing to come on with you and talk about this also? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. No, not even going to ask her. That's not happening. We've never talked about it. I'm not doing that. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think so. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. No, no, that's good. We're fine. It's okay. I didn't, I didn't mean to stir anything up. And, you know, if you're uncomfortable and all that stuff. So after we hung up, I began thinking about it a little more. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask my mother if she wants to do this. And she said yes. And so here we go. We've never talked about this. Even driving over to the radio show, the studio to do the radio show, we're still not talking about it. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be interesting. So one of the things, my whole point is, one of the things that came out during the radio interview was my mother said this, and I had no memory of this whatsoever. So my mother said, after the house had quieted down, all the police had left, I had gone to bed, everybody else was in bed, and she was still up, just, I guess, absorbing everything that had taken place, and she was crying at the dining room table. And I must have heard her in my bedroom. And I came out of the bedroom. Now, she doesn't hear me because she's crying. And I come up behind her, and I wrap my arms around her shoulders, which you can just imagine must have startled her. And I said to her, I'm sorry, Mommy. I'm sorry, which is crazy. I have no memory of this whatsoever. And, of course, she turned around and embraced me and said all the right things to me. This is not your fault and all of that. But in my mind as a child, this thing happened to me, and now my mother's crying. So it must be my fault. So think about that. That's what children are experiencing. And when they see devastation come out of something that they were a part of. They take that shame and they take that guilt upon themselves. So I didn't realize that that portion of events had even taken place. So now I'm actually carrying this shame. I don't even realize I'm carrying. Instead, I'm carrying this undue unforgiveness toward my mother because I feel like She's not even impacted by this because she doesn't talk about it. And for both of us, doing this radio show brought a lot of healing in our relationship because now I understood the gravity of her role as the mother and whatever it was she went through as the mother and the extra shame and guilt I had as a child. So children are experiencing that portion of it too. And for me, so there's this whole thing as an adult, as forgiveness, as you walk as a Christian person and having to forgive people, right? And so 
as an adult, I didn't think this person deserved my forgiveness. I was willing to forgive everybody else in my life for pretty much anything else in my life except this one person. They didn't deserve it. That's the exception over there. But the truth of the matter is, there is no exceptions with God. When God told us, if you forgive others, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We have to forgive. We have to. We have to understand that. When God said that, there wasn't a choice in that. We have to to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven us. As a matter of fact, I think it's Colossians chapter three. It says, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive, right? In in Luke, and of course, in all the gospels, it says it because that's how, when the disciples said, how should we pray? That's how Jesus taught them to pray. And he went on to say, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's intense. That's in, that scripture is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. So getting back to myself, as an adult, and I, began to, I became a Christian, and I'm walking with the Lord, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, oh, The Lord began to deal with me. You need to forgive. There's not an exception to the rule here. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to forgive, right? No problem. I'll forgive. (laughs) So I said the right things. I said the right words. Lord, I forgive this person. Boom, I'm done. I'm going to move on with my merry little life. Because at that point in my life, really, things were pretty good. But what I didn't realize is because I had this unforgiveness rooted down in the depths of my heart, it it was impacting my relationships. And I didn't know that it was impacting my relationships. Because if we have unforgiveness in our heart, regardless, that comes out in every outward relationship we have. That's why it's healthy for us to extend unforgiveness. There's a release and a freedom that comes with that. So I'm going to be real transparent in this portion because I want you to understand God is faithful and he's not going to get let you get beyond yourself. And so even though I had said the words, I forgive this person audibly, in my heart, I was not forgiving this person. And God will show us Where it is, we haven't done what we need to do to go to the place we need to get. And so I didn't realize, even though I'd said the words, if my heart had not extended true forgiveness, I couldn't go to that next place in the Lord. I wasn't going to be able to grow further in the Lord. And so God is gracious every time to show us. You haven't dealt with what you think you have dealt with, and you need to deal with it. So I don't want you to miss that statement. You haven't dealt with what you need to deal with. You haven't dealt with what you need to deal with to get to where you're going. We haven't done it. And we need to. It's a necessity if we want to walk in true freedom, if we want that amazing release in our heart 
that burden lifted off of our shoulders. So for me, God showed me this years later. All three of my children are born, and I receive a phone call from the state of New Hampshire. I receive a phone call from them. This man has been arrested again for sexually assaulting a child again. Now, this has been many years, so I'm sure. Who knows how many children, truthfully. And so they want to open my files, but since I was a minor at the time, they need my permission to do this. And my friend, they wanted to open both of our files, and the prosecutor that I was speaking with said, if you will allow us to open your files, this will be an assured conviction, and he will serve time in prison. Well, you better believe it. Open the files. Throw the book at him. I was thrilled. I'm just being honest. I was thrilled. I couldn't wait to find out he was in prison. And so I hung up the phone, (laughs) almost rejoicing that this was going to happen to this man. And the Lord began, and and, and let me take it a step further and exposing my heart in this situation, even saying to my husband, I can't wait for him to go to prison. I hope he gets raped. I hope what he's done to others happens to him. I was excited about this. And I'm just being honest with you today. And I began to see the ugliness in that statement, the ugliness in my heart. That's one awesome thing. Our words will always show us our hearts. And I would not have thought that was how I felt. I would not have thought I hadn't forgiven. But the words that I was speaking in that moment reflected my heart. Because what does Matthew 15, 18 tell us? The things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart, which is actually a good thing because sometimes we can use our words as red flags to us that we need to deal with an issue of our heart. Because all of a sudden, by my words, I was convicted to understanding I had done zero forgiveness when it came to this person, zero. And I just went to the Lord and I knew I had to extend that forgiveness in a true and honest and raw way. And I had to cry out to the Lord and say, I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to forgive this person, but I know I need to forgive this person. So please just help me to forgive this person because I don't know how to do it. And that's just being real. I know I need to, but I don't, I I don't have the capacity in me to do it. Help me to do it. You have to remember in Job, he forgave his friends, but it wasn't until he could bless his friends. It wasn't until he could pray for a blessing upon his friends that he was very hurt by that, that he received his greater. And so for me, I did that every day, over and over. It wasn't a one-time thing like I thought it would be, like I treated it the first time around. Now we're in round two. And now looking back, I'm so thankful that the Lord was so gracious to show me you haven't forgiven and you need to let it go. 
or it will alter the course of your destiny. Unforgiveness can alter the course of our destiny. And we don't want it to do that. We don't want unforgiveness to alter the course of our destiny. So over and over, I would pray that to the Lord. Help me to forgive. I want to release this person. I want them to be saved. I want salvation to come to them. I want them to be free from all the chains that bind them up. And then now more years go by, quite a few years. Excuse me. Quite a few years go by. I receive a phone call from my sister telling me that this person is now done serving their time and they are being released from prison. And I knew by my response at the hearing of that news that I had truly forgiven. And the Lord was even gracious in that moment to show me, you have really forgiven here. You have really let it go and you can really move on. And that's why God is so faithful to us. He will show us where we haven't done quite what we need to do and where we have. In areas we've fallen short, in areas we've come a long way. And that's what he did with me. I had an area I was falling short. And God was so gracious and so faithful to show me, Linda, you're falling short here. You can't go to where I want you to go if this portion of your life remains under the bar. And then when I had victory in that area, he was gracious enough to show me, you've got it. You've come further than you think in this area. Because there was no response of ugliness in me when I received that phone call. How we respond when we see people, how we respond when we hear certain things, how we respond when we hear a name, how we respond in so many different environments and circumstances that we find ourselves in show us the condition of our heart. And we want to let this stuff go. We want to extend forgiveness in all areas of our life. I mean, forgiveness releases healing in our lives. Forgiveness causes our prayers to not hit the ceiling and bounce back down to us. It causes our prayers to go all the way to the throne of God. And we have to come back to the truth of the word that says you must forgive so that your heavenly father can forgive you. And if we think we can't do it, let's just do what Jesus did when he was hanging on the cross, by the way, tortured, beaten, flesh ripped off of him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if we got to say it every day, over and over, One day, our confession will connect with our heart and true forgiveness will be released in our lives and freedom established in our lives. 